Good morning, everyone. I'm still on the, we're back high. It's so exciting to be. We were away for a few weeks, and um, it is so good to be home. It is so, so good to be home. Anyway, I wonder if you mind turning with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. If you're visiting with us today, I hope you feel super duper welcome, super duper at home. We've been preaching through the, um, we eventually finished Revelation, eventually. It was a, anyone feel like you ran comrades today? Hey, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing, eh? Woo. But we preach Revelation, guys, and we were faithful to the text and a big up to the preaching team. Thank you for the way you guys dealt with that so courageously, so faithfully. It was amazing. So we're preaching through Romans 12 at the moment, um, more specifically, the Romans 12 gifts um, that are given. Because so often it's easy to read um, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul lists a bunch of gifts, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, very fancy. You know, it sounds like these are the things that if you um, ever worked at a church, maybe they would put on your door. Evangelist Bob, prophet Frank, apostle, whatever. But these ones here are a little bit different, these gifts. And what's so beautiful is there's this kind of width to the church, but there's this constant emphasis through the whole of the New Testament that people are not just placeholders and easily interchangeable with one another. Each person brings something to the table. There's, you know, the lung and the, and the heart and the brain and the foot and all of this stuff kind of comes together to create this beautiful body, um, the body of Jesus. And so I'd like to read from... Let me take it actually from verse 3 where we started last week and kind of give a little bit of context to this text. So Romans chapter 12, reading from verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to each one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not all have the same function. And so in Christ, we, though many, form one body each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And that's the second time he says according to the grace given or the faith given. Like these are gifts given to the body. And faith and grace, you can kind of, they're given to you by, by, um, by grace. But through faith, we can kind of grow in those gifts. But they are not just some mistake that I just sort of found scratching around in the trash heap of my heart. Right? Or, or because of uh, circumstance, I, I have this particular bent. We are specifically gifted by God through grace and through faith. If it's serving, then serve. Cindy's preaching next week on that. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. I've heard some of it. It's going to just change the world. Hey, babe? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. And so uh, last week I made two quick introductory comments. I'd like to quickly just make them again. These gifts that are given to the body are not given so that I can go, oh, Dimitri's the mercy guy, right? That's his gift. Thank God it's not me. If you're going through a rough time, please don't talk to me. Talk to Dimitri. Right? He's, if, if mercy is his gift, he's probably really, it's like a river for him to operate in that. But his, his role carrying that mercy gift is twofold. One, it's to do the mercy thing in the church. But the other thing is to remind the rest of us that mercy should be a hallmark of all of our lives. Maybe not to the same degree, but he, he stands as a giant signpost going, remember this thing, guys. It should be for all of us. 
And that, so when we look at all of these gifts, they should all be functioning our lives in, at some level. But the guys that carry that gift have that dual role to remind us and to do the gift itself. And the, the second one is that, you know, looking around at the world today, there seems to be very much this, um, I don't think um, business coaches and strengths coaches and lifestyle coaches have ever been as popular as they are today because everybody wants to feel special. And so when you go to a coach, they make you feel special. And they're like, and I'm not bashing it, right? It's really helpful to know who you are. But the danger is that I go there to go and feel special. God doesn't give us gifts so that we can feel special. He gives us his son so that we know we are precious. He gives us Jesus. There is no greater gift than that. He adopts us into his family. There's no greater gift than that. He gives us a seat at the table. There's no greater gift than that. And then he goes, but but I know you want to love people because you've been loved. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you gifts to enable you to love people effectively. These are tools in your hand to get the job done. They should not be attached to your identity because it's so easy for us to attach, you know, put the, the sign on the door. Maybe it's not like prophet Dimitri. It's like mercy man Dimitri. You know, leadership guru Simon Don't do that. Get your t-shirt printed. It's, it can be so awkward, man. Like, this is me. No, it isn't. Who are you? How do I define myself? I am a child of God. And he loves me and he's for me. But he loves me and he loves others so much that he's given me these abilities to love others. Like, what a, what a joy, right? He hasn't just said, hey, do it your best. Because I know in myself, it's, it's not always easy, right? Interacting with others and loving other people. Love people. How? You know? So, today I have the auspicious blessing of talking about the gift of giving. And um, so I'd like to read a text to you. Yeah, it's a great one. Um, I'd, I'd like to read a text to you. I want to look at Barnabas again this week, if I can. I spoke about Barnabas last week. His name was actually Joseph, but he was such an encourager that the apostles literally said to him, your parents got your name wrong. Have you ever met someone like that? You meet them and their name is like James, but when you look at them, they look like a Brian. And then every time you greet them, you want to call them Brian, because they remind you of a Brian. Like that was Barnabas. Like he wasn't, he wasn't a Joseph. His name was Barnabas. So Acts chapter 4 from verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So today I'm talking about the gift of giving. I'm not talking about tithing. But I want to make a comment about tithing and the law, because we don't often talk about this. I think we were talking as an eldership team, and um, the guys were like, when was the last time you spoke about money? I was like, I can't remember. But it is something worth talking about, and I want to kind of clarify this thing about the law and, and grace and, and whatever, because I think in this, this tithing thing, it can get a little bit complicated sometimes. One of the things that struck me about being in Namibia is you would drive, and it would say, you are going over the Ugab River now, and... I didn't check any water anywhere because I, I thought 
that um, river equals water. But in Namibia, it doesn't. It's just this giant sandy where maybe at, maybe at one stage some water did run. Or maybe there's the potential if there's a flood for water to run, but it's just sand. You don't ever have to worry about drowning in the middle of Namibia, right? You can swim in all the rivers. If you can't swim, it's a great place to go for a swim in the river. If you can walk through sand, you'll be fine. And it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus, what Jesus did for us when it comes to fulfilling the law. When we look in the Old Testament, the Bible's very clear that the law was given to mankind not to keep, but to break. Now, that might be hard for some of you to hear, but the reason God gave us the law to break, mankind's in the garden, we rebel against God. We go, we want to do this our way. We don't want you to teach us what is right and what's wrong. We don't want to walk in the cool of the evening with you. We want to do things our way. And God's like, okay, here's the law. But there is no, I am not going to come with that law to teach you how to do it. And the reason God gave mankind the law, when you look through the whole Old Testament, the reason people keep falling is because man's trying to prove to God, we can do it without you. That's why we can't really throw stones at Eve and Adam, because we're the same. We want the contract, we don't want the relationship, right? God, tell me what I need to do to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a good Christian? How do I do good Christian? And we... And it becomes this role that I play. And once I've done all of that, then I can just go home and do my own thing. Once I've fulfilled my obligation. That's the contract. That's the law. And so God's like, here's the law. Eventually, hopefully, you'll realize that you can't do this. And you'll cry out, we need a savior. That was the purpose of the law. God didn't give mankind the law as an alternative option to him at all. The law was given to bring us back to Christ as a school teacher, Bible t- the Bible teaches us. So in the Old Testament, when you look at the law, every one of God's principles are laid out, but there is no empowering to see that um, expectation of God fulfilled. Holiness, righteousness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, patience, like fruits of the Holy Spirit are laid on the table without the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried not to sin, specifically a specific thing? It's almost like you've put out a light and all the bugs of that sin just come in. Because you're trying, I'm going to try so hard not to, and then you do. Because you become what you look at, and as you obsess over this thing, instead of looking at Christ, you're looking at this thing. And so exactly the same principle applies when it comes to tithing and finance in the Old Testament. So why the dry riverbed? That's what the law's like. It shows you there should be water here. This is where the water would run. This is where it would end. This is where it's going. Everything's laid out for you. There's only one problem. There's no water. And because there's no water, there's no trees. And because there's no trees... There's no animals. And because there's no trees and no animals, there's no life. But you can see where the river should run. And so in the Old Testament, when it speaks about tithing in the church, it's it's speaking specifically that God has a a way of how his church operates. Then when we come to the New Testament, what Jesus does is he fulfills the law. And the river just flows through everything. And now all of a sudden, it's like, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In Philippians, we're like, yeah, I've heard that. 
That's, that's the law. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You mean he's going to do it inside of me? Yeah, he's going to do it inside of me. Like it's amazing. And so what does it look like when that Old Testament principle of tithing now is filled with the river of the grace of God after Jesus has come? It looks like this. Can you see the fear in these guys and, and terrifiedness of, 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 of obeying the law? In the text I just read, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. And so with great power, the apostles continued to testify. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them. Not the law, not the fear of the law. God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there was no needy person among them. Can you see the river of God's grace all of a sudden? Because people are free. Because now I don't have to achieve this myself. Jesus is beginning to work through me. Now 10%, not 10%, all that sort of stuff. Like these are, the, these are the banks that were set for the river, right? But when the river flows, there's life. And there's healing. And there's all the, all the things that God has intended. And so hopefully that sets us free, friends. Because, and I'm going to talk about, it, I'm going to talk about this thing in a moment when it comes to giving. Now, let me talk about it quickly now, this thing. Is, I, I know, let me not. Let me, let, me, let me stick to this because I'm trying, I'm trying so hard. You know what I felt like, guys? This is what's so hard about talking about this issue is that this is the other big abuse in the church. It's leadership and this thing. It's some self-proclaimed, insecure guy who maybe was the first team rugby captain and now lost all his authority and now he got offered some leadership position in the church and he begins to abuse. And if you were that, I played first team rugby, so I'm, in the, I'm not that guy, but I'm just saying I understand. The issue is it's like there's this abuse of leadership power in the church. And there's also this thing around money. There is so much manipulation and stuff taught. And the hardest thing about prepping this was I was like, I've got to take a sledgehammer to stuff before I can lay anything because I don't want to build on other people's foundations. So what does the Bible say? Okay, I want to smash two things first if I can. So here comes the sledgehammer. There are two manipulations that we have to get out of the way because as long as they exist, we can't see the wood for the trees. The first one is the this for that, tit for tat manipulation in the church. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in love, honor others above yourself. This is the whole context of these gifts. But we taught, some of us perhaps have been taught, that if you do this, you can force God to do that. If I do this, then God will do that. Now, the Bible does talk about sowing and reaping. But God is not a transactional God. That is the law. And God is a God who adopts us to sit at his table as his children. We are not the orphans sitting looking in the window. And based on how much good stuff we've done during the course of the week, he's like, comes outside and we're all sitting there like little, you know, little lemmings or little opossums or whatever. He's like, okay, you come in this weekend, you come in this weekend. And these kids get to be the privileged kids for the weekend. Then on Monday, boom, he kicks everybody out again. And then we're going to all try hard again for the rest of the week to earn our way back to the table. Barnabas didn't put a bunch of provisors on his gift that he brought to the apostles. Do you, do you notice that? He just came and put it at their feet. He didn't go, so does this get me closer to the throne room when I die? Does this mean an extra wing on my house in heaven when I get there? No. 
through his gift of giving, he just came and put it at the table. Why? Because he is a river. Through the grace of God, he's a river. I went and had a look. This, if it's giving, then give generously. That word generously there is not talking about the amount. It translates into a few different words. Words like this. It could also be translated simplicity, with simplicity, graciously, sincerely, and purely. It's just give sincerely. Generously, give with a generous heart. Give with a, 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 a grateful heart. Give with a heart that's going this way, purely. Don't give with a heart that's doing this and expecting something in return. There can be no hook. The tragedy is, I look at the church today, friends, somehow, some of us, and, and we've heard teaching, but some of us have gone back to the Middle Ages and we're buying papal indulgences without giving in the church. I feel like if I give, God loves me and he's for me. Based on my performance, God will accept me or know me or love me. We are at his table. We are a river. That is the context of giving. Remember I said at the beginning, it's a tool given to us in our hands to love others. The identity thing is settled. God is not some cheap carnival trickster or a cheesy game show host who goes, and you get one, and you get one, and you, because you all did these things. He's not that guy. He just loves us all. He calls us all to himself. And then commands us to love others. The tragedy is this. I even, I want to go so far as to say this, that we are encouraged sometimes, encouraged to foster greed in our heart because I have bought the right to with my giving. breaking a few walls down with our sledgehammer. I'm going to say that again. We are encouraged to foster greed in our heart because we have bought the right to with our giving. It's not like that. Christ already gave us everything. And at our salvation, friends, we already gave up everything. Nothing we have belongs to us. The exchange is absolute and complete. That's what salvation is. So that's the first one, the this for that manipulation. And if you have lived under that, I'm gonna to pray today that God sets you free, man. Because he loves you and he's for you and he's rooting for you and he's at your back and he will give you all you need for life and godliness. Because he banks on his church. He doesn't have an alternative to his church. We are the river that's meant to reach our communities. The other manipulation is this, that the enemy will get you if you don't give. That's the other manipulation. And it's funny because it walks close to a truth, but it's not true. See, the problem is, if you talk about that one in, in, in its isolation, about, you know, if you don't, the enemy's going to get you. If you don't give, the enemy's going to get you. You turn God into one of those mafia guys who comes around demanding protection money. You've got to pay God the protection money so that the devil won't get you. What on earth have we done? How did we get there? It's a subtle lie, but if we buy it, the tragedy is this, that we begin to assume a defensive posture when it comes to our finance, when it comes to our faith, that begins to bleed into our whole lives. Barnabas wasn't defensively buying protection when he operated in his gift of giving with the apostles. He was like, we're on the front foot here, guys. We're changing the world. 
We're taking the world for Jesus. He's front-footed about it. Our giving is not defensive. All the believers, one in heart and mind, like we read. The context of Barnabas' giving was the go forward of the church. He gave it and he walked away. There was nothing defensive about it. In 1 John 4.18, John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. As we don't give out of fear. Our motivation is love. It's a tool in our hands to be able to love others. That's the river. And so in the, most of the other world religions, giving is a part of the works you do to gain favor from God. But if you're a Christian here today, you already have all of his favor and his love and his attention. His eyes are on you. You're a river. So there's the this for that and the enemy will get you. Those are just two of the ones I wanted to have a bit of a at. We're gonna pray at the end of this for just for healing and release and whatever. So that's the negative. Let's build a little bit, shall we? So how do I ensure that this gift of giving is generous? It is pure, sincere, and simple. That the motivation is pure. That the motivation doesn't have a hook in it. Because friends, this is a gift given to those of us in the church. But remember I said about Dimitri, like he becomes the guy that stands up and says, this should be part of all of us. But it's a specific gift. There are some of us that are specifically gifted. And I said last week, if you want to know what your gift is, one of the primary markers of what your gift is, is ask yourself where you've been hurt the most or let down the most. And it's crazy to me how many people who have the gift of giving have been abused for it. One of the things I've learned about people who carry the gift of giving is don't ever tell them where to give. Let them be the river. You notice it's like we talk about money all the time in this church. Have you seen it? Like every week. We send around a hat and then we send around a helicopter and then we send around a bag. And Something we presuppose in this church, friends, and even if you're a new Christian here, I want you to hear this. We presuppose that all of us are growing towards maturity and each of us will have our own relationship with Jesus. There has to come a time where we move on from other people telling us what to do. There is a time for a lamb to be fed by a sheep, but eventually that, sheep has to, that lamb has to grow up and become a sheep and follow the shepherd. We presuppose that. So we presuppose maturity. So just like every week we don't get up and go, you know, love one another or um, go to, well, we do say go to home group every week, but that's just like a life support system, right? <laughs> but we don't remind everyone of everything every week. Each of us are called to stand before God and work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So what are these motivation, motivating factors? There's two. Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are our motivation factors for giving, 100%. Love for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, some of you might read that and go, aha, you check. It is tit for tat. But it's just saying your giving is in the sight of your father in heaven. He sees what you're doing. And friends, if we are giving without knowing that our father in heaven is seeing, it's dead works. We give before him. He's the one who sees. He's the one who motivates us. He's the one who nudges us. He's the one who leads us. And if you, if you carry this gift on your life, you need to mature in this thing and hear from God. Because there are a bazillion needs in the world. But God is very clear about what he's going to use your gift for. Very clear. 
I've got to learn to hear from him. The knowledge of his eyes on our deeds, rather than putting our own deeds up in lights. In Matthew chapter 10, I, I love this text, Jesus has sent out the 12 apostles with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any other towns of the Samaritans. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you grow, go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received. Now freely give. And, and this, this kind of betrays our hearts a little bit because here's the question. If my hands are the things that accomplish my salary at the end of the month or my income, then I haven't freely received. I want to hold on to it. And sometimes it's actually a great marker. When I look at my finance and I do this, it's because I feel like I've earned it. And friends, that's fine in the good times. But you know when you hit the rocks and you hit a hard space in your life? You do not want to be the source of your finance, I promise you. You want to know that you live in a river that comes from God himself. And the beauty is, as I know that freely I've received from him, then I'm able to give freely because it comes from him. And I feel like that it, this is, it's such an important way that for us, especially those who carry that gift, but for the rest of us as well, everything we have we, we have from God. And so when he asks us, or when he nudges us, like we're being obedient to him. This is before him, just like that, that text said about our father. We've received from him, so we're able to be a blessing as well. Do I work for it and I des- now I deserve it or has he always been my source? You know, Cindy and I left a great job in Maritzburg. Nice house, beautiful house. God said plant a church and we were like, Church planting is for people who hate their kids, who like, just like, I don't know what you want. They're crazy people. And one of the biggest things that stopped us from ever planting a church in the past, for both of us, was the fear of provision. We've got two daughters. We're terrified. What are we going to do? And the church in Maritzburg covered our salary for six months. They were like, we'll cover your salary for six months, but after that, you're on your own. Six months into a strange city. Like it's hectic, right? We're the first church in that church's history after six months to phone them and go, hey guys, thank you so much, but you can, you can stop now, it's fine. God has done something amazing here. It's in our DNA, we are a river. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then the second one is love for others. That text we read, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. My motive is that I will love people with what I have. But this is where discernment is so important. Because we need to not just be, we don't want to be that guy. You know the guy at the, at the robots who picks up the hobo, the, you know, the guy picks up the hobo at the robots and then takes him to spa and videos himself giving food to the guy and puts it on Instagram because he's such an altruist. Not that. But giving in secret, giving love people. I have been given Now I have an avenue to be able to give. There's so much that we do. Our full-time staff here in this church, the way Mel and the guys look after the kids, dim with the youth, Cindy and I with leading the team, that's because this church is faithful in giving. You're part of all of the fruit that happens in this church. It's the most natural transaction that God has instructed. And I don't think we say thank you enough. I know we should be giving as unto the Lord, but... It's an incredible privilege, friends, to live in that ebb and flow of what we have in this church. It's beautiful. 
because it's love. I hope it's not an obligation, right? It's the river that we all contribute to. So last two things as we land this. So what does this gift accomplish in me? And what does this gift accomplish in the church? Well, simple thing of how this gift of giving, what does it accomplish in me? It ensures that I am a river and it ensures that I don't become enslaved. There's this amazing text in 1 Timothy 6. We always read the first part, but we never read the second. We always say that, right? But this is the first part. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Great. What's the, what's the problem? Well, the problem is the sentence afterwards. It is through this craving, this love of money, that some have wandered from their faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Now we're talking. So what are these many pangs or these many griefs that I've become pierced with? Can I list a few? I fall prey to some inner desire for pleasure. Because when I stop giving, when the river isn't flowing and it's this way, I begin to give in to these inner pleasures. Like I want to feed this thing inside of me. I fall prey to the illusion that money will provide security. That's why I drift from my faith. Because my income becomes my security. And I'm piercing myself with these many griefs. I fall prey to the idea that money equals success. It's fascinating. I just... If I can just have a dip at, at um, Hollywood for a second, if that's okay. It's amazing to me that when people become famous like that, that all of a sudden they go from no one to an expert in marriage, in business, in politics, in sociology, in everything. Now they have a voice. I look at some of the people who stand up at the United Nations. I'm like, you shouldn't be talking to a class of three-year-olds. Act in the movie, be the guy, be the villain, get your paycheck and go home. But you are no example to anybody. But that's the problem with money. I have wealth, therefore people listen to me because they want my wealth, therefore I think I have a platform and everybody's just sitting like a bunch of piranhas around them. It's not true, it's not real. Piercing ourselves with these many griefs. I fall prey to the idea that money equals popularity. So thin, look at the prodigal son. And so giving allows us to remain unenslaved because we are a river. It doesn't hold me. Rather, I am a river. And that's the second thing, be a river. Money is a tool in the hand of God's people. It's a tool to express the love of God to others. I looked at the origin of the word generosity. It comes from the same root as the word generation. Do you know what generosity, if you go look up the word generosity, this is the exact root of it. It means of noble birth. It means this. That because I was born with, and because I have privilege, and because I was born into a noble family, I'm able to be magnanimous. I'm able to be good for others because I have to give. And I'm like, that's so beautiful. Because we've gone from these orphans and these people who are cut off from God to being adopted into his family. And now because we have, we can give of noble birth. So it's so important for us to get our identity and understand. I didn't expect it to mean that. It was quite interesting. It constantly reminds me of the goodness of God to me. It reminds me of the goodness of my Father in heaven. And by virtue of my noble birth and position, I find myself in as a result of it, I seek to share what I have freely I've received, freely give. 
And then the last one, what does this gift accomplish in the church? Again, this gift exists as an avenue to express the love, of, the love and goodness of God to the church. Another word generate also comes from the same um, generation. It comes from the same thing of this begets that, begets that, begets that, generations. It starts something. If you look at a generator, I often explain it like this. You go to, a, especially now we live in it, load shedding, right? You go to a house and there's no lights, there's no electricity, it's dark. You're just sitting there waiting to get broken into, right? And <laughs> anyway, you're sitting at home and then someone, someone says, can we turn on a generator? All of a sudden there's light and there's warmth and there's the capability to warm up food and to see one another. And that's what generosity does in the lives of others, friends. It brings light and it brings hope and it brings healing and it brings joy into those situations. That is the river. That's what it accomplishes in the church. And so we don't just want to be on this side going, I don't want to, I don't want to pierce myself with many people. I don't want to get locked up. It's not all about me. I want to be the one that's able, that when I have been somewhere through this gift of giving, I'm able to bring light and bring life. Time's gone. I'll, I'm going to finish with a story. And if you've been in center church for like the, at all, I'm sorry, you're going to have to hear this again, T. <laughs> anyway, do you know how this church was planted? One of the ways this church was planted. Lots of different ways. So there was this couple living on a farm in the Midlands. And faithfully serving in this little church in a little, on a little farm in the Midlands. And God called those people to come plant a church in Joburg. From Moy River to Joburg. You can see the disconnect, Right? because it's a great training for Johannesburg. And so we've got, God, we felt God tell us to come plant a church. So we were like, okay, we're going to go plant a church. We've planted campuses. We're fairly well trained, but we've never been to Joburg. We told people we're coming to Joburg. People said, where? And we said, Joburg. And they said, where? And we said, Joburg. And they were like, there's no such place as Joburg. Where are you going? We had no clue. We drove around like... What is a Douglasdale? You know, we didn't know any of this stuff. I'm, I'm not kidding. We were so clueless. We came out after Kruger the one year to try and work it out. We knew nothing. I mean, you, you property guys and all this stuff. We knew nothing. We, every suburb we went to, like, what's a good suburb? What's a bad suburb? Have we heard gunshots? Are we going to get, a re, you know, hijacked? But we arrived in Joburg, and God gathered people quite quickly. And then all of a sudden, we, we were like, sure, but we can't really meet in a lounge anymore because we don't fit. And one of the guys who planted with us, he was a headmaster in a new school. And, the, and he was like, listen, I can give you the hall of this new school, whatever, like that he was connected to, to meet him. So we're like, sweet, we'll meet in this hall. And there was homeless people that had been living there. So the smell of urine was so bad that the drummer, Duff, who was drumming, he had a little spritzer, you know, like an air spritzer, to <laughs> so that he didn't die of asphyxiation in the corner. The guys had been killing animals. There was blood spurts across the roof. I'm not exaggerating. Like it was wild. But we didn't have chairs. And we didn't have a sound system. And not that that stuff's important. But if you looked at that room, you didn't want to sit on the floor. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> the roof looked like that. Can you imagine what the floor looked like? And a couple drove up from KZN. They arrived because we told them what happened. And they arrived with this bank card and they said, what you guys don't know is when you told the church you were going to plant a church like a few months ago, when you told the church we were part of back then, they put some money into a bank account because they believe in what God's going to do in Joburg. That group of people put a quarter of a million rand into a bank account 
unsolicited. Some of the chairs that you're sitting on today, these chairs here were bought with that money. Some of the microphones that the band sings with were bought with that money. There were a group of people who gave to this church even though they knew they would get nothing from it because they would stay in the Midlands. They, all they could enjoy was the pictures on Facebook. Friends, that's what the gift of giving accomplishes. We are here today because of those people, partly. I'd like to pray for us today that God releases us and sets us free, friends. I'm not sitting here with a tin can going, please give to the church. We need your money all. But we're a partnership, friends. God's called all of us to do this thing together to change the world. Us sowing now is for the people who haven't yet arrived. And I don't think God's even nearly finished with us. We've barely begun. Can I pray for us? Lord, thank you for all of the way that you heal us. God, I pray if any of us have been manipulated or put under pressure, or that we be free today. If any of us, Lord God, are hiding behind an offense because we're afraid of giving, or any of us are, maybe there's selfishness, Lord God. Maybe there's wrapped up in our, ourselves in our hearts. I pray you'd set us free today. Your word says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your love would fill us and we would see, Lord, the avenues that we are a river, Lord, that you would flood. If some of us feel like that dry riverbed and we've been so afraid and held to a post, Lord God, I pray that you would let your river flow. Fill us this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you that you call us so much higher. Thank you for each gift in this room, Lord. Do what only you can do in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you're asking yourself, how can I take this further? You can start by going to our website. There, you can access our previous sermons, our banking details, you can get in contact with us, or you can find out more about who we are. If you consider yourself a part of Centre Church, we just want to thank you so much for your continuous support and your partnership. Have an amazing day.